This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside Caroline Gonzalez. We're here in Studio B inside the Auctioner Sports Performance Center, and we got a big show for you on this Wednesday. It's a Pelicans game day as they take on the San Antonio Spurs, going for seven in a row, Caroline. Seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's the most since 2010-2011. Uh, Unbelievable. The six-game winning streak for the Pelicans has been nice to watch, especially with all those teams clumped in the Western Conference playoff race. And you did lose a seed yesterday just because Portland won, and they're now a half game ahead of the Pelicans. But Pelicans can get right back in that fifth spot with a win tonight. Right. I really think um, the Pelicans are going to have a lot to prove today. I think people are buying in a little bit more now, and this game is going to be important so that we continue – that process of people buying in, people coming out to the games, and people actually believing in what the Pelicans can do, especially af after DeMarcus Cousins went down. You know, a lot of people, we saw how many articles about, you know, the Pelican season is over, you know, what are they going to do now? And now we've gone on a six-game win streak, and people are finally starting to buy in again. You know what's crazy is you're a game and a half back of hosting a first-round playoff series with 22 games ago in the San Antonio Spurs game is pretty important just because you do have a 1-0 lead in the season series, but you play them three more times in the last 22 games, right. with two of them being on the road. So if you can steal one of the two on the road and then win at home, you own a tiebreaker over the San Antonio Spurs. So tonight is a very important game. It's also a big, uh, important broadcast for both television and radio because if you want to renew your season tickets or get new season tickets and join Squad 6 for the 2018-19 season, Tonight is the way to go. There'll be broadcast specials throughout tonight. If you watch on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on 99.5 WRNO, we'll give you uh, plenty of opportunities to do so. We'll give you some info on how you can, and operators and staff will be standing by throughout the entire game. So if you're ready to lock yourself in because the early bird deadline is March 2nd, this is the best opportunity for everyone to get their tickets early and get some cool prizes and get some discounts on concessions and things like that and a cool Squad 6 jacket. So. I really, want, I really want that squat six jacket. Me too. I really like pullovers. Well, I think, well, I'm not going to buy season tickets in here, but I think everyone else should, especially <laughs> the way so this too. team's playing. They definitely deserve it. And of course, with the NFL, there's always news going on. There's always something going on 24-7 access. And this week's no different with the combine or as John DeShazer likes to call it, the underwear Olympics. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Do they play that, you think? I think so. I think they need to. You know, as soon as the guys enter, I think they need to just play that music. Someone should get, you know, their iPhone out. I don't want to see them in their underwear, though. Me either. Okay. <laughs> but John DeShazer is on the ground there in Indianapolis, and we'll hear from him on Friday. But today we'll hear from Tom Pelissero from NFL.com and the NFL Network. He gives us kind of an idea of what goes on in these first few days, who to look out for. The QB situation is interesting. Of course, Sam Darnold announced he's not throwing in the combine. But then Baker Mayfield is participating. So the quarterback position is something to keep an eye on. And then, uh, Caroline, you have an interview here uh, due to the with the USA Women's Football World Games. You uh, were able to hang out with them during this past weekend. It, it seemed like a lot of fun from your videos. Yeah, you know, I was... I wouldn't say I was skeptical at first, but I was kind of just interested as to what it was going to be like. Because when you say women's tackle football, you're like, 
okay, well, is it really going to be tackle football? Are they going to be, you know, doing the same things that you would see in a regular football game? And I was actually very surprised they were doing. It looked like tackle football. Yeah, (laughs) it was definitely uh, down and dirty football. And I was shocked to see how hard they were going and how um how much football iq they had you know there's there's a certain number there's a certain amount of football iq that you can have from outside the game and a completely different level when you're playing the game so the level of iq that these women had was absolutely unreal and you had how many different countries represented 16 wow yeah. So they came from all over the world. And surprisingly, there wasn't a huge language barrier. There was um, two girls from Russia, I believe, and they both had translators there with them. So it was kind of funny to see the translators like running around with them, telling them what to do and where to go. But um, the language barrier didn't play as much of a role as I thought it would. But it was very interesting to see all of them come together and do something that everyone loves at one place. Is this once a year that they do all this? I believe so. So um, the U.S. Women's National Team kind of uses this as a um, place to kind of scout players from the U.S. and see, you know, who, who do we want to, to play on our team? Um, what's the competition like? Stuff like that. So. Um, this happens once a year. This is the second time it's been at the Saints facility. And, you know, everyone was just so grateful um, for the opportunity that the Saints had provided for them because, let's be honest, women's tackle football is definitely going to be overlooked. I mean, I can't lie. I, had, I hadn't heard of it. Um, so for the Saints to go out on a limb and to accept them and bring them into the facility was a huge deal for them. And, and maybe I'm wrong here, but aren't the Saints the only NFL team to open their doors for this type of game? They are. They are. Unbelievable. And you also had an interview. You caught up with uh, someone earlier this week, correct? Right. So I talked with um, one of the coaches. She's a defensive back coach. She actually works for the um, the Jets. She's the first African-American female coach for the NFL. Um, and she is she works with the DBs at the Jets. And she was a DB coach here this weekend. And she just expressed so much gratitude and got really emotional talking about the Saints and how much we had done or the saints organization had done for her and women's tackle football all right well let's hear it now who are you interviewing colette smith all right here it is can you tell me a little bit about what you do outside of wwfd i uh was a former pro football player for the new york sharks i started playing when i was 42 years old so i had no idea about women's pro football i just knew i was never allowed to play because i was a girl so i found football late in my life i was a professional real estate broker Made a ton of money, and then I found football as a woman, and I got broke. (laughs) Did you you, um, play any other sports before you played football? No, I ran track in, like, high school and college, but nothing major, nothing that I was, like, in love with. I just loved football, but there wasn't a place for me. Wow. And what do you do as a profession now? As a profession now, I own my own company. So I, I played football coached and then I was the first female coach in New York Jets franchise history and so since then I have started my own company called Believe in You Incorporated and yeah it's pretty cool because I get to visit schools corporations companies and I do workshops about telling people to believe in themselves you know and telling them the hard times that we women have in football and if we can do it and get where we are then anyone could do whatever they want if they believe in themselves and how do you think something like this helps advocate for what you do for a living like this women's world football games and the saints right like i am i'm a complete jets fan but the saints are right up there now with me because they're the only nfl team that has embraced women in football it's a it's a big deal and i'm just i mean for it for 
for the Saints of all teams, they're a great team. They had a great season too. Right. This just really just opens up the doors of our minds for imagination and it helps us to be empowered. So this is, this is to be out here, this is everything. This is, it's, it's a showstopper as far as I'm concerned, but right. let's go. Right. So um, what are your plans? It's day before game day, right? So what are your expectations going into it? Oh my gosh, first of all, these ladies are ready to play. Like we're, we're tired of drills, they're like, let's go. So my expectations are them to know all their play sets, know all their alignments, to be fundamentally sound and have their techniques down packed. So, and then getting into their mind, I want them to be in good spirits and not overthink anything. Right. I want them to have good muscle memory at that point. So they, the game day, they're gonna be ready. Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's say these women came in at a level six from one to 10, uh -huh. right? So how many levels do you think they've gone up since they've been here? Oh, wow. Um, pretty unique to each girl individually, but if I had to pick a few, I would say if one came in here at a level three, she's a level five and a half. If there's somebody that came in here at a level two, she's not pushing a hard four, you know? And then I've had girls that came in here on level sixes mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're beyond. So they're beyond um, 10. They're beyond 10. Right. They're, the, the, the training that, that, that we're offering, that they're getting is incredible. And it's gonna help build their confidence. So when they go back to their respective countries, and states and their teams, they are now a resource of information and wisdom to their team, whether it be in Korea, Russia, Germany, you know, so this is just a wealth of information and knowledge. All right, good stuff there. And of course, if you want to see all the all the action and a recap of how everything went this weekend, log on to NewOrleansStates.com. Caroline did a great job of recapping everything, including the game on Sunday afternoon. So we got a good show for you today. Of course, we'll hear from David Wesley. It's a Wesley Wednesday here on the Black and Blue Report. And of course, since they're on the road, it's from probably another coffee shop <laughs> for those two. So they'll be joining us later on. Actually, they'll be joining us next segment to preview Pelicans and Spurs. And then again, as I mentioned, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network and NFL.com. He'll kind of get us up to speed on everything going on with the Combine. And then on Friday, John DeShazer will join us from Indianapolis to share what he has noticed there from Indy. All right, good stuff from Caroline. Appreciate you coming by. When we come back, we'll hear from David Wesley and Sean Kelly. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. 
As we mentioned in our first segment, it's a Pelicans game day as the team is in San Antonio, Texas to take on the Spurs tonight at 7.30 p.m. Central since it is Wednesday. Of course, we have to have on David Wesley, television analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans. He and Sean Kelly may be in a coffee shop, maybe somewhere outside. Who knows where they are when they're on the road. But right now, let's head to San Antonio, Texas and hear from Sean and David. Guys, take it away. All right, Caroline and Daniel, thank you very much. Greetings, everyone, from the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Literally, we are sitting right next to the Riverwalk outside the team hotel. David Wesley, Sean Kelly on a Wesley Wednesday, and uh, a Wesley Wednesday unlike any that we've ever done before. The Pelicans have won six straight as they head out onto the road to play the Spurs tonight. I, I too, want to say good morning to you guys back at the studio, and... Yes, this is a whole new animal. Who would who would have thought that this team, after playing so inconsistent, would get on a roll and have a six-game win streak with, with a chance to – a tough chance, but a chance uh, to extend that. They get through tonight, and who knows how far this thing could go. This has become – much watch, must watch TV, must listen to radio, certainly because the Pelicans seem to have a little flair for the dramatic these days. The, the second half of this winning streak has featured back-to-back overtime wins and then a double-digit comeback to beat a team that certainly shouldn't have put them in that spot on Monday night at home. So, all right, for the sake of ratings and interest, <laughs> they're checking that box as well. They are. And, of course, you throw in, you know, what you're getting out of Anthony Davis, and it's it's fun to watch. And, of course, our jobs are a lot more fun. Fans are a lot more happy. Uh, I thought there was a really good crowd uh, in there for a Monday night game, uh, loud and into it. And, of course, all the dramatics were there. Um, it was fun. And certainly they shouldn't have, but – at the end of the day, they did what they needed to do, which was come out of there with a win at home, uh, start establishing that, even though it's the end of the season, start getting that as a, a place that they can count on some wins and some good play. You played with some great ones, and I'm talking about scores, McGrady, James, Barron, a lot of them. What are you seeing now when you're watching courtside there, this Anthony Davis play? It's, it's, it's crazy to say that, 50 is sneaky good, but if you watched the game in the first half, you didn't know he had 25. I didn't, I didn't realize he had 25 and, and impressive. I can't even put it into words how good this stretch has been. I had a friend of mine ask me, you know, what's the difference? And it's a mindset. That's the only difference. He's been capable of this, but to go out and say, I have to shoot the ball, I have to be dominant, I have to bring the effort and energy, it's just a mindset. And he's doing it. The switch is on. Please don't turn the switch off. And then you get Drew Holiday. Forget that he's playing point sometimes. Forget that he was brought here to play the point guard position. His best game is when he is attacking, when he is single-mindedly thinking, I got to put the ball in the basket, and then, oh, by the way, I can pass the ball too. I'm glad you brought Drew up. Um, is the fact that he's playing 
point sometimes and and then as I call it the fun guard position sometimes is that really helping him you know because we've only known him as one or the other does that make sense I think it does help because for his growth and his game I think it's good to be able to do both that is the way this league is combo positions you don't you're more valuable when you can play one, two, three positions. And for him, I think doing both just adds to his maturity, but uh, certainly the fun position, the two-guard position, the attacking scoring guard is his game. And when he goes into that mode, and again, when I look at Drew's game, he comes out the last couple of games where missed a couple of layups, Missed some kind of easy, wide-open shots. But at the end of the night, efficient 25, efficient 36 the other night. 36 could have been 44. You know, even last night could have been 28, 29. So, um, it or I guess it was two nights ago. Yeah. Two nights ago it could have been 28, 29. So, it's, it's, it's fun to watch him, and it's fun to see them when they go in their mode. And you can almost see when – when Drew's about to go into his thing. Um, I'll get to Emeka Okafor in a second. Coach Gentry said the other day in, in a meeting I had with him that this team is now playing for each other. And that's why we're seeing a lot of what we're seeing right now. What does that actually mean, playing for each other? I know that most people, I think, understand the concept, but what does it really mean in the NBA? Well, in the NBA, it, it, it's an understanding of roles. And it's an understanding and being okay with those roles. A lot of people have a role and they, I'm more of this and I need to do more of this. When you understand your role and know the hierarchy of how things are supposed to go, it's so much easier. And I think everybody's starting to grasp that and understand that, like I was, one night I might get 12 shots, one night I might get three shots. And I was okay with that. Because I know I'm playing for the team's success. I'm not going to force my way into every night trying to go get 12 or 15 shots. That wasn't my job. The rest of the guys who understand that. And then your star players understand I have to go. I can't sit back and, you know, we're going to get him, you know, five or six shots. No. Davis has to go put the ball in the basket. Drew has to go put the ball in the basket. And that's not selfish. So they're playing for each other because it's all in the success of this team, and the six games proves it. What is the Emeka Okafor effect? It's huge because it's not in the box score. You don't see it unless you're watching him play. The the small intangible things, rebounding, rotating, being in the right places at the right time, the effort, the energy – you wouldn't expect it. And then the other night he goes out and even scores the basketball in the right places. Again, catching and finishing. That seems like a matter-of-fact thing, but it's huge. Catching the ball and finishing layups continues a run, continues the positive mood on the on the team. And so – the fact that he can do that when necessary, again, knowing his role is not necessarily to go out and get 12 or 14 points. 
he's okay with that. Rebounding the basketball, tipping balls, keeping things alive. It's a huge effect. And, of course, his defense has been pretty outstanding. Um, Signed for the remainder of the season. Were you shocked? I mean, think back to the day you learned, hey, we're bringing Okafor in for a 10-day contract. He hadn't played in almost five years. Are you, are you a little shocked by all this? I, I'm not f- by what he's done. But, yes, if you would have said we brought him in to sign him for the rest of the year, initially, no. I was thinking, wait, what, why, why this move? What's going on here? But from the moment he got on the court, he got your eyebrow going up saying, hey, we may have something here. We may – because it does the obvious, which is let Anthony Davis play his true position, which is the fourth spot. Keeps him off the bigger, stronger centers in this league. Yeah. And is in there battling and getting the job done. So um, the effect is huge, but you would only know it by – you can't pick up a box score and say, oh, Mecca had two points and six rebounds. You got to watch the game to see his effect. Fair. Um, before we run out of time, let's talk about tonight. I, I'm really intrigued by this basketball game against the San Antonio Spurs. I, you know, somebody said to me this morning already, well, I guess we're going to find out if we're a real basketball team or not, which I thought was a little much. Um, but I did think to myself, well, we're going to find out if we can beat a very different kind of team. This will, be not, this will be unlike anything they've seen here during this win streak. Well, always well coached. Players, again, the reason why this team plays well is because the roles are well-defined. Guys know what they're going to do and go out and, and do it. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge playing great basketball and obviously a force to deal with. But when I, when I look at what the Pelicans have to do, the Pelicans have to do the Pelicans. They have to continue to do the things that they do well. Um, but the way Popovich coaches and his mind and the strings he pulls always seems to be the right ones. But this is a gettable win. Yeah. This I, is a very gettable win. I agree. Um, speaking of Greg Popovich, he's a master at taking away your best thing. He may not take everything away, but he's, he's darn good at taking your number one thing away. So with that being said, what do you think he rolls out against Anthony Davis tonight? Well, he's going to make him a jump shooter. He's going to put bodies on him and, and not allow him to roam free, which means that if you're taking Davis away, and again, Davis can't accept you're taking this away. He has to go be the way he's been over the last six. But Miritich needs to get going. Darius Miller needs to get going. Ian Clark needs to get going. I expect one of those three guys or two of those three guys to have a pretty good night because Popovich is going to make other players beat him, and those are the guys that are going to have good looks tonight. Should we make this our first must-watch game of the year? We haven't labeled anything that as such. You want to do it today? I, I'll go with that. I, I think it is because I think it's a, a an interesting point in the season where – you're playing the team just above you, and this is worth two games here. So, uh, and again, we talk about tiebreakers. You already beat them once. This kind of puts you a little more in the driver's seat. I think this is definitely a must-watch. And then you got, you know, 
obviously the Pelicans playing at such a high level. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm on that. Daniel Caroline, two more meetings still with the Spurs after tonight. March 15th back here in San Antonio. Then the last game of the regular season. So tune in, listen in, all that good stuff tonight um, from the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Adios, as they'd say here, deep in the heart of Texas. Gracias, muchachos. I'll have more info about tonight's game in our final segment. Speaking of our final segment, up next, we'll turn our attention to the NFL Combine, and we'll hear from Tom Pelissero, who is an NFL reporter for NFL.com and the NFL Network. Stay with us. What is Squad 6? Squad 6 is every six-man, woman, and child who comes up clutch every time when the game is on the line. They are our full-season ticket holders, an extension of our players, on the court, offering support from the tip-off to the final buzzer. Our full-season ticket holders are more than fans in the stands. They keep the team in flight all day and all night. They are part of the team, and we treat them right. Day in and day out, they give us their all, so we give them ours, on and off the court. Squad 6 members fly first class, no questions asked. Only the most dedicated, most celebrated, never decimated fans can call themselves Squad 6 members. Can you? To get off the bench and join Squad 6, visit pelicans.com or call 504-525-HOOP. Follow us on Twitter at BlackBlueReport. The Combine is underway in Indianapolis, Indiana, and joining me now from India's NFL Network and NFL.com reporter Tom Pelissero. He also does some radio work on Sirius XM NFL and 1500 ESPN in Minneapolis. Tom, appreciate you coming on. Back in Indianapolis again. I feel like it's uh, Groundhog's Day. We're always here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, take me through these first few days in Indy as players begin to arrive and talk with teams. Is a lot of these first few days behind-the-scenes stuff, Tom? I actually spoke with a GM a little bit ago who was saying that some of the players already have been in town for a day or two. Uh, some of the West Coast guys fly in really early to get their bodies adjusted. It's a three-hour time change, uh, so you're going to have some of the informal interviews going on before the formal interviews begin. You're right, it is a lot of stuff that's behind the scenes, and you know, talking to people through the years, you, you certainly get the sense that all the televised stuff, and we certainly do an excellent job on NFL Network of televising the scouting combine, but for teams, a lot of the important stuff is the medical, uh, getting these guys for the first time put through a physical. You know, that includes this year a couple of the top quarterbacks that people just want to make sure that their bodies are in good shape, that their shoulders are in good shape. Uh, it's that, and then it's also the interview process, because really for a lot of these players, especially the underclassmen, this is the first time that you're getting to sit down with the guy and start to figure out exactly what makes him tick. You know, the area scouts have been tracking him for a year. Sometimes, you know, for higher-profile players, it can be longer than that. You know, but even the ones, who, even the scouts who have talked to everybody possible about a player may not have even shaken that player's hand. So how much can you get out of a 15-minute interview? It's, it's certainly possible to fool somebody for 15 minutes, but you know, there's certainly different questions that people will want to ask, whether it's about football, whether it's about character, whether it's about instance in the background, and then every other place here, you know, in the hallways and over at the train station and everywhere else, there's all sorts of different things going on as teams just try to put together the pieces and uh, make a puzzle on all these guys. When you talk to GMs and scouts and, uh, and coaches that are talking to these players, do you think they weigh – the 
interviews more than the actual time on the field this week or which one takes precedent as far as what they kind of look at as far as figuring out what type of guy they're going to draft come April? There's certainly guys who there's more questions about them on the field. There's certainly players who you wonder exactly how they're going to test. Baker Mayfield's uh, an example of one this week that people are really interested from everyone I've talked to just to see how he does because he's a, a six-foot quarterback. We all know that you know quarterback testing numbers are not the most important thing. You can ask Tom Brady about that. He certainly didn't light it up here back in the day, but has gone on to a pretty decent career. And with Mayfield, when you're an undersized quarterback, even one who has a bigger, bigger arm than a lot of shorter quarterbacks have, you're just wondering, okay, you know, is it going to translate? Is he going to be able to make those same sorts of plays and get outside the pocket and extend things the same way that he did in college? That, that stuff matters, I think, more for certain players than others. But really, the medical and the interviews, those are two huge things because you've got all the tape on these guys. You've got a pretty good idea of functionally how they move. You want to put a number to it because really you're looking for historical comparisons, being able to you know see exactly where guys stack up in different drills, how other players who profile similarly uh, may have stacked up in the past, but getting to know them and getting to know their bodies, those are those are the big things. I'm glad you mentioned Baker Mayfield. You wrote an article on NFL.com yesterday about the QB prospects and what questions each one has heading into the combine. You mentioned Baker as someone that uh, coaches are intrigued to see. Which quarterback sticks out to you the most is what you want to see from them on the field, and uh, which one has the most to prove this week? Is it Baker? I think that Baker has something to prove just when he sits down with clubs. He did a little of that in Mobile, but it was only a handful of clubs or you know a smaller number of clubs. It certainly wasn't everybody who wanted to talk to him. And from what I heard, you know, he was a little bit surly through the course of the week. That's not surprising because he's a guy who, in football and in life, kind of carries a chip on his shoulder for a lot of different reasons. Um, but people want to just get to know what what makes this guy tick. He's he's certainly excitable. And when scouts have gone into Oklahoma and interviewed his coaches and teammates and everybody else, people swear by Baker Mayfield, despite the off the field stuff, despite you know the the televised crotch grab and the planting the flag and all that stuff. People like that. They they like the competitor. They like a lot of things about him. But you, know, you just got to get comfortable whether or not this guy's going to be the face of your franchise. Same thing with Josh Rosen when he gets in the room with um, GMs and coaches and scouts. You know, there's no question that some guys are going to take to him more than others because he's a really, by his own admission, a unique personality. He's a strong personality. He is outspoken. He, he thinks that he you know, has a really good grasp on what he's trying to be and, and who he is. He's wildly talented. I mean, when you talk to people around the league, they'll tell you that Josh Rosen is the most talented quarterback overall just in terms of the natural ability, the way the ball comes out of his hand, the, the movement within the pocket, even though he's not somebody who's blessed with a, a great deal of mobility. Your questions in that case are about the guy. And even the other quarterbacks who don't have the same questions, a guy like Sam Darnold from USC, who, you know, profile-wise, makeup-wise, everything you hear about him, about his work ethic and how he rises in big moments, what teammates think of him, all that stuff is A+. plus. You know, but he's a, he's a little bit of a, from people I've talked to, a flatline type of a personality. And I had one executive, you know, just say, you, know, you just want to see a little bit more out of him. You want to know if there's kind of another level to him so he's not somebody who gets chewed up and spit out uh, when he gets into the NFL. He's going to walk into some room being 20, 21 years old and be one of the top picks in the draft to be looked at as the face of the franchise. You know, is he going to command that respect? You command the respect by playing well, but, you know, different personalities are going to play in, in different types of locker rooms. Uh, there, there's certainly different personalities that have had success 
within the NFL. I mean, the way that Tom Brady leads is not the same as Aaron Rodgers or Joe Flacco or Drew Brees. You know, everybody's a little bit different, but can it work? Can you see it? Can this guy be, you know, the the centerpiece of your organization? Those are all parts of the, of the puzzle that's been put together, and not just here in Indy, but it's the private workouts and the visits and, you know, in some cases flying into a guy's hometown and just driving around with him for a day, spend as much time as possible and try to figure out what makes these guys tick. Sam Darnold says that he's not going to throw at the combine. Does this hurt his draft stock in any way, or is that reading too much into it? There are some people who will say they want to see these guys throw just because they want to see the competitor. With Darnold, for one thing, he's represented by CAA, and a lot of CAA clients through the years have chosen not to throw. So it's not a huge shock uh, that Darnold's not going to throw, although I believe Josh Allen is going to throw. He's another CAA client. Guys have to make different decisions. You know, with Darnold also, you know, if you were in this sort of a televised event, as much as you know, we all like to see it, what are people going to be talking about? They're going to be talking about, oh, the weird wind-up, the funky delivery, the elongated motion, you know, all those types of things. It's a lot that Darnold has to prove in terms of his ability to get the football out, and the motion, you know, the delivery is not going to change substantially. So he intends to put on a show with receivers he knows, at his pro day, he scripted himself instead of throwing the guys that he's really you know, never met before. Again, there, there are some scouts, executives who will say, we want to see him. We just want to know if the guy wants to come and compete. Same reason that some people really like that Baker Mayfield showed up at all to the senior bowl. He, he didn't have to do that. Is it going to hurt Darnold? I don't think in the big picture it is. Again, because especially with the quarterbacks, you get so many opportunities to see these guys not just perform, but to spend time with them. And it sounds like he's going to do everything else. Whether it's a QB or someone at another position, do a lot of players feel like their best bet to showcase their talent is now at pro days instead of the combine? What are some of the biggest benefits of doing everything at the combine instead of your own pro day? Well, I think with quarterbacks in particular, you know, the difference is you've got all these quarterbacks, right? You're in a group, and one thing that scouts talk about is when you see um, you know, the quarterbacks working out together, you can kind of immediately see who's going to be the alpha male in that group, right? Who's not going to shrink when you're surrounded by all this other talent? You know, Deshaun Watson helped himself last year because he came out not just through well, but his demeanor, the way that he kind of ran things, you know, that was that was something that helped him. If I, if I remember correctly, I believe uh, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen are going to be in the same group uh, at this combine, two really big personalities. You know, just kind of how do those guys interact? There's a reason that a lot of coaches like to stand on the field at the combine, instead of sitting up in the stands where you might be able to see the passes better, they just want to see all the other stuff that's going on and the demeanor and the body language and and how guys uh, interact with one another. At pro day, you're more so in your own environment. It is more controlled. Um, you can spin things the way that you want to, not just at the quarterback position, but you can put yourself through whatever drills you want. You know, accentuate certain things. What you're comfortable with, you can drill the same routine over and over. Um, you know, but teams are conscious of that too. You know, if things are overly scripted or it feels as if you're not getting you know the same taste of it there's, there's pluses minuses i think the both tom before i let you go i'm sure a lot of fans in new orleans here will have their eye on the combine this week what position group should they focus in on whether it's the quarterbacks or some other ones i know cornerback is a big position there at the nfl combine and also maybe give me a player or two that you are excited to watch this week well, I think that the pass rushers are certainly something for the Saints uh, and their fans that you've got to be focusing in on. You can never have enough of those guys. You know, the the job that Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland and Sean Payton and those guys did last year was just phenomenal in the draft. 
I remember doing the my annual survey of executives and scouts within the league on all the awards, and you know, Marshawn Lattimore ran away with the defensive rookie of the year. Alvin Kamara came out with the offensive rookie of the year. Of course, you know Ryan Ramchek. Like they they did a heck of a job uh, by all accounts in the draft a year ago, and that's helped them to fill some spots. I mean, I think that certainly if you're just looking at the roster right now, they can always use another receiver, though that's not really a position of need. They certainly could use another tight end, but again, it's not a strong position of need. I think that really it's just about generating pass rush. They seem to be well set up with some of the draft picks they made a year ago in the secondary. They are going to likely have to replace Kenny Vaccaro, so safety could be in that mix. I think generating the pass rush, continuing to add. Cam Jordan had a phenomenal year. Uh, last season, but uh, you know, once they had a, a few injuries up front, uh, that's certainly an area they could have used a little bit more. And there are some intriguing uh, players now. Who's going to be sitting, uh, still sitting on the board down into the 20s when the Saints are picking? That uh, that remains to be seen. But there are certainly guys, you know, smaller school guys uh, like Davenport, uh, some other players who you know their stock is a little bit unsettled. Teams are still getting to know these guys and. You know, where exactly they go, you know, part of that will be dictated by who's the one who catches everybody's eyes down here in uh, Indianapolis. Good stuff. That's NFL Network and NFL.com reporter Tom Pelissero. Give him a follow on Twitter at Tom Pelissero. And be sure to keep up with his work in Indy. The NFL Network does a phenomenal job with covering the Combine, and Tom's one of the better follows in the NFL. Tom, I really appreciate the time and enjoy your time this week in Indy. You got it course we'll have more on the nfl combine on friday's show with our very own john the shazer of neworleansaints.com as he is in indianapolis as we speak again pelicans and spurs tonight 7 30 p.m tip at the at&t center sean kelly and victor howell will have the call on the radio side news talk 99.5 wrno and the pelicans radio network i'll have pelicans warm up for you starting at seven o'clock and on the television side of course joel myers david wesley and jen hale will have it for you and there'll be plenty of broadcast specials as far as joining Squad 6, become a season ticket holder for the 2018-19 season. There'll be operators and staff standing by throughout the game, so you don't want to miss that. Plenty of ways, and again, the early bird deadline is March 2nd, so just a few more days for you to lock in your seats for the upcoming season. And of course, there's a lot of stuff to be given away, a lot of prizes, a lot of incentives to join right now, so we'll have plenty more for you on tonight's radio broadcast and, of course, the television broadcast. Also, it's a watch party tonight at Barcadia there on Chapatula Street. There'll be food specials, drink specials, a chance to watch the game with your friends, and, of course, the best part about that place, all the video games, tons of video games for you to play while watching your Pelicans in action. Good thing I'm not going to be there for your sake because I'm awesome at Papa Shot. So you guys are lucky that I'm not going to be there tonight. But, of course, I hope you all go out to Barcadia and watch the game. Should be a fun one. Again, Pelicans just a game and a half back of the Spurs and the Timberwolves for the three and four seed. That means they're a game and a half back of hosting a first round series in the postseason. So should be a fun one tonight. Let's see if they can go for seven in a row. And I hope you can join us on the television or the radio tonight as the Pelicans take on the Spurs. Again, a big thanks to David Wesley, Sean Kelly, Caroline Gonzalez, Colette Smith, and Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. On Friday's show, again, we'll talk more Pelicans here. Hopefully we're talking about that seven game winning streak and we'll also get J.D.'s thoughts on the NFL Combine. Until Friday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.